afternoon church take no thought for the clock i'll take the thought for you um i'm very privileged to stand before you today to share god's word with you and i am convinced and i believe that the lord has a word for us today last week i gave the church a challenge on evangelism and only a few people responded when I went outside. And I, I have to share with you that evangelism is very important to the church of God. What does the church say? In fact, if you look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, if you should turn with me to Genesis 2 chapter verse, verse 15, it reads, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden, to dress it and to keep it. But brother preacher, what has this to do with evangelism? It's got everything to do with evangelism. You see, man is the only species, men and angels, the only species who have evaded their purpose. When God said to Adam, keep and dress the garden, what do you think he did? Gave him a lawnmower and a pair of shears. No. When the grass was growing tall, Adam would tell the cows, come over this side. We need to mow this lawn. When the trees were growing out of control, he'll call the giraffes and whichever herbivores are there that eat of the or prune the trees and they'll come and eat of that. He was dressing the garden. And today you can't, you take a, you walk to a cow and try and give it meat or convince it to stop eating grass. You have a problem. In fact, I'm told of a man who at a time of famine took green goggles and put them on his goat so that they can eat the brown grass. Of course, this is not right. The goats died. But the goats, when they saw the brown grass, they were happy for they know what their purpose is. You see, we are the only species on earth and one of two species that have evaded their purpose. And the word of God says, what are the most basic needs of a human, if I may ask? Shelter, food, water, and clothing, right? We missed one more. What was the other one? Huh? Love. Love, what's the other one? It's like we, we're coming out with the Lord, but we're missing one. For men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of the Father. Now I'm here to tell you that if the father says, go and witness unto me, that's a word that comes of his mouth, and we better make sure we do what God says. You know, in the Garden of Eden, he said, don't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. That was some of his word, and they listened to the rest and left but that. And today we're here and asking God to forgive us our sins by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the father. Now, that is not our sermon today. That is not our story. That's a story for another day. Today, we're looking at religious liberties. Religious liberties are very important to the church. Religious liberty is paramount to God's church. We as the members should work to, with the religious liberties department to inform our representatives within the legislative bodies of the ills that seek to plague our freedom of worship. As the ages roll on, the end 
for this liberty grows greater, for the adversary closes in with every day that passes by. To ensnare the true church, and therefore evangelism, evangelism which is the lifeblood of the church. Now you see where I'm going with this? Religious liberty is there so that we can evangelize. Without the liberty of worship, it is very tough to evangelize. Now I cannot overemphasize the need of freedom to worship. Every man, kindred, people, or nation should have or be free to worship a deity of their conviction. You know, some people think, oh, if we, the Adventists, ran the things, then we force, no, no, no. Let any man choose whom he may, he may worship, whether it be Baal or whoever, but let it be upon his conscience and upon his choice. For God looks upon the heart and he knows his people. And even if you force them to worship God, if their heart is not in it, God won't consider that worship. Everyone needs to worship God in truth and in spirit. We pick up the story of religious liberties in the book of Exodus when Moses and the Israelites are in trouble. The Israelites have been enslaved by Pharaoh for so long that they've forgotten what freedom is like. And they cry out to God. And God sends his servant, Moses. And Moses was already of age by the time the Israelites cried. Watch this, this is very key. Now, you see, God had already created and provided the Israel with a, with a deliverer, even before they cried out. When they cried out, the next thing God did was appear to Moses in a burning bush. He was ready, 80 years Moses in the making, ready for the children to cry out. And they cried out and Moses sends, Lord sends Moses to Egypt and they, with Aaron they go to the courts of Pharaoh. And in the courts of Pharaoh, Pharaoh is angered by what Moses brings to him. He says, the Lord says, let my people go, that they will go and do what? Sacrifice to me three days journey in the wilderness. See, God is most interested in his people's worship. Go and sacrifice to me. It is about religious liberties. God wanted to lift them, take them out of bondage so that they can worship him. We're still talking about religious liberties here today. We pick up the story as the children of Israel were further inflicted or afflicted by afflictions from Pharaoh. And they meet Moses and they say, God, look upon you. God, judge you. You've made us worse off than we were. You see, the message is simple. Just when your hour of deliverance is nigh, the devil seeks to make it as gloomy as possible. You cannot see the, 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 the light that comes forward. But I praise God for the scripture say, weeping may endure through the night, but joy cometh in the morning. The darkest hours of the night are just before, me, before dawn. So take heed. Do not consult with your fears. Your fears will tell you otherwise. But God is always there. And as, as uh, God did his wonders and miracles, ten miracles in fact, Pharaoh's devilish grip on the Egyptians is relinquished. And they walk three days into the wilderness, and in the wilderness the children of Israel cry out again. Oh, you should have left us in Egypt. We have no bread. We would have been better in Egypt. At least we had meat. Now, I'm telling you something. Egypt is synonymous with sin. 
because it is a land of bondage. Bondage is sin. In the presence of God, leading you by a cloud of fire by night, uh, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. The Israelites wanted to go back to the desert. What does God say about bread? Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it, this is my body. Now, you want Jesus' body, but you think you find it in the clutches of the devil. You see, things look so clear in hindsight, but I guarantee you when the Israelites were walking this, it was as dark as mud. They were crying for water and saying, Moses, nothing is growing in the desert. The desert is barren. We can't grow anything. But Jesus says again this, whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh in the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up to eternal life. I don't know, that, that gives me a lot of goosebumps. These things are allegorical. They cry for bread. They do not know that the bread that they need. Were it not for God, they would not have known the bread that they need. But it's because of God that we know the bread that we need. They cried for water. They didn't know the water that they needed. They wanted the water to make it Israel, that they will thirst again after eating. That they will thirst again after drinking. <laughs> but God has a water that if we drink of, we will never thirst again. By the borders of Canaan, we find the, the, the Israelites again sending spies into, into Canaan and they come back and say, oh, the children of Naphtali are huge. We're like grasshoppers to them. The grapes, we had to carry them off our shoulders. You know, it's like they murmured again and said, Lord, why have you brought us to die in the desert? Die by the sword in the desert. If it were better if we died in Egypt, Allegorical again. How many times do we start dicing and choosing which death is better between lying and keeping the Sabbath? Which death do I die with? Which one is better? If I do not return my tithe, which one is better? Which sin is less harmful than the other? We are dicing with which death, with, with which death to die. But I guarantee you today, all death is death, and death is certain to all that don't keep the statutes. And I, 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 I ask you to think of the most terrible sin you can think of. That sin that you think of. Whatever thing that small you do, you will be in hell with them that do that sin. That is most terrible that you think of. All death is death. You see how the devil works. He wants to make you think that he's got the answers to your problems. But I assure you he's got the problems to your answers. I don't think you heard me. He wants to make you think that he's got the answers to your problems, but I assure you he's got the problems to the answers. Now, you look back to your life, you've been baptized, but you, you look back like the Israelites did, and you look back and say, I enjoyed my party life. The club scene, the pornography, whatever it is that you used to, they seem appealing, you had fun, you are enjoying yourself. Paul says in Galatians 2.18, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What you've left behind, leave behind. Remember Lord's wife. 
You know, the Bible is woven with a lot of characters that seek to give us encouragement, pertinent encouragement for our day. But we do not live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Father. And yes, for that reason, we miss. I would like to the parents to uh, hold on to their children while the sermon goes on. We miss, we miss the lessons and the messages that God has for us. Wherefore, let this mind be with you that was also in Christ Jesus. As Philippians said, let this mind that was also in Christ Jesus be in you. What mind is that? We meet a, a young man called Stephen who was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, it's recorded in Acts chapter 6, verses 8 to 7, 15. Stephen recounted the history of the Israelites with an erring accuracy. I paraphrase, it's a long chapter. And in front of him are people who think he's preaching heresies. And they say, Stephen, what are you saying? And Stephen goes on to tell them about where they come from. And they keep on asking him these questions and Stephen breaks down the word of God. And the record says, Stephen looked up filled with the Holy Ghost and he saw the heavens open. And he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And while he sees that vision, is abruptly inter interrupted and the people grab him and they take him outside, outside the walls and they stone him to death. And the witnesses, the record says, put their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Stephen, the Bible says, knelt down and cried out, Lord, lay not that, this, that's this sin on their charge. Now, I, I want to ask a question today. How many of us can really cry out when somebody is hailing stones at us and say, lay not this sin on his charge. You see, Stephen was liberated. Hence the title today is, if we're not liberated now, Stephen was liberated way before the persecution. You see, at persecution, he was ready through Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody. Stephen, he was free. I, I, I looked at the um, lesson study this week after I'd finished doing the sermon, and I thought, huh? The memory says, so if the Son makes sets you free, you are free indeed. It's like, whoa, the Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways, you know. I, this is exactly the theme we're going with this all, all the day. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. And the record says, when Stephen is said, saying, finished saying that, he slept. The importance there is, he slept. It doesn't say he died. It says, he slept. I read it from the King James Version. If you have another version that says otherwise, I'm sorry. The King James Version says he slept. I assure you, Stephen is still sleeping. But how did Stephen cope with that? It was through Christ Jesus. The scripture reading is taken from Galatians 5 verses 1 and 13 and 14. Could I see it on the screen? Galatians 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, 
and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Going forward, verses 13, for brethren, ye have not been called into liberty, on, uh, ye, have not, ye have been called in, unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What is Paul saying? Why did he live out love God with all your soul and all your mind and all your heart? Is it not imperative anymore? I, I assure you not. Before this part, the book of Galatians was telling people about personal relationship between a Christian and God. That was the theme thus far. And Paul seeks in case the Galatians err to show them that it's not just between God and man, but it's also interpersonal relationship between fellow brethren. You know, between the fellow brethren, if they're preaching and circumcision and saying, you know what, brethren, you need to sacrifice, you need to be circumcised, you need to do this and that, Paul maybe is aging that, you know what, according to how they treat you, you will know if they're called of God. They may come with all these doctrines, but in how they live with you, brethren, you will know if they are gods or not. You know, interpersonal relationships are very important. But here I want to focus more on the liberty side of story rather than the verse 14. Liberty is only found in Christ. I think it's something that I need not mention time and time again, but liberty is found in Christ. All of us might know this. All of us should know this. All of us must be testifying this. All of us must be witnessing about this to all that we know, that liberty is only found in Christ. Going forward, the same Paul that wrote the scripture is the same Paul that was sold that persecuted Stephen, the same Paul that we find now in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 40 with Silas, having cast a spirit of divination out of a soothsayer's price object. If, if you remember in Acts chapter 16, there's this woman who was going around saying things and saying things and it started annoying Paul, you know, spiritually annoying Paul, might I add. You know, you can be spiritually annoyed with sin. And Paul was spiritually annoyed with this woman and he says, in the name of God, leave this woman to the spirit and the spirit just goes. And the soothsayers are angry with Paul because this is how they end their living. It was like they've lost a job. It was their credit crunch. It was their austerity. <laughs> and because of that, they rally the crowd against Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas end up in prison. And in prison, they sat there in the innermost part of the prison. And in the innermost part of the prison, they put there because the guard knew the price on these guys and didn't want them escaping. So you can look at it as maximum security. And as Paul were in there with Silas, they start, the Bible says they started praying. And singing praises. Praying. And singing praises in the prison. It doesn't say they started praying and they were afflicted. Or in the, praying and singing praises. I don't know. For the perpetrators, it was a love for money, which we looked in the quarter again. That caused them to cause the holy men's, uh, the holy Paul and, or the holy servants to suffer affliction or persecution for the love of money. My question is, for the love of money, what would we do? Given money and God, 
Who do we choose? And I guarantee you today, for most of us, there's only one winner. And as, as I've seen from our tithes and offerings, it's not God. It's, it's not God. However, having said that, my spirit was a good boy this morning when I took the bulletin, as I always do, and looked at the tithes and offering, and I s- the offering seems like it's doubling. And it encourages me because I realize that though we, we falter in these things, there are some of us whose hearts are fertile, and they are responding to the call of stewardship. And that is encouraging. As we go on with Paul and, and Silas, I, I want to ask a question. No, maybe uh, I have a story rather than a question. You know, the scriptures say we walk not by sight, by, or we should not walk by sight, or but by faith. And the just shall live by faith. Because I've touched on this tithe thing, I have to express that, you know, when you have a car and you, things are not going well and the last money you have is, seems to, just the money that needs to fix your car is the same amount as the money that you need to pay. You know how the devil does it. And you need to return your tithe. And you're like, oh Lord, my car, my money. Oh, maybe it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the road tax. Oh Lord, how do I do? Mm. Yeah, you're, you're, you're in limbo. You know, you do not know what to do. Um, and you choose to fix your car. Uh, that's not walking by faith, brethren. That, that's walking by sight. And, you know, and the, you're not being persecuted. No. You see, the, <laughs> the only people who are persecuted are persecuted because they stand on God despite what, ha- what, what happens. If we think of the three Hebrew boys, if they'd chosen not to go into the fire and bow down, they wouldn't have been persecuted. You know, it, they'd just been okay with the rest of them. But because they said, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? We'd rather languish in the fire seven times hot than bow down to a graven, uh, a graven image. See, sometimes these things look like giants. Like the Israelites saw giants in the land of Canaan, and we want to run away and say, Lord, there are giants who want to run away. But let me find your scripture. In Samuel chapter, first of first Samuel chapter 17, verse 35 to 47. Could we see it on the screen? Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou, shalt, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee unto my, into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thee thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all that this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword, and spear. That's deep. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it unto our hands. He will give you into our hands. What am I saying? The Israelites were faced with a giant, and they ran away, and God was angry with them because they didn't sanctify him. But God is happy with David, and today we've got a, a statement when a big team, say Liverpool, is about to play against a small team, say Northampton Town. The, the, the media normally has a frenzy about it and say a clash of David and Goliath, you know, the, the, the Goliath versus David. The whole world knows 
of David and Goliath, or at least says it at some point, because David set God apart. You see, how was it going to be had the Israelites listened to God and walked by faith and not by sight? They would have sanctified God. I don't know what we'll be using today to show the sanctity of God. But they didn't. There's a story, the Labradors. They sniff, those that are trained to sniffers, they sniff out whatever it is that they're trained to sniff out. And they, they, with their nose to the ground, they, they, they walk sniffing around for whatever they're looking for. They sniff it out, they sniff it out. And if whatever it is that they're looking for should run across the field, they won't look up and say, oh, there it is, and start chasing it. No, they follow the trail. They keep on sniffing. Even if you walk past them, they keep on sniffing, following the trail, following the trail, until they get to where the trail ends. And there they stop. You see, that is walking by faith. They can sniff a lion, sniff out a lion. They can sniff out a tiger. But if they looked up and saw what they were sniffing out, they run back. You see, that's the thing. It's the same with faith. If you stand up and look, you'll see the giant in front of you. And you run so far and buy your MOT and fix your car. But if you walk on faith, you won't see what's ahead of you. All you see is Jesus. And Jesus will take you through. You know, it's amazing how you get thirsty up front here. Now, when we talk about faith, sometimes, we, you know, I can say from up here, you know, you walk by faith, like I do walk by faith all the time. Yeah. We falter sometimes as human beings, and the Bible does justly say the just man falls seven times, and he gets up again, but the wicked falleth into mischief. But that is no excuse for lack of faith, I have to say, you know. Should faith lack, then we should, by what we've learned and by the pleading of the holy angels, return to the throne of grace. After, after all, if I ask anyone to raise their hand, anyone who hasn't sinned in his life, what am I talking about? Anyone who hasn't sinned in the last month, what am I talking about? Anyone who hasn't sinned in the last week, I'll be, I'll be very surprised to see one lift up their hand. If they did, I'll pray for them, for the truth is not in them. Sometimes we sin and we do not know that we've sinned. And take heed, those that they think they stand, lest they fall. You know, scriptures are littered with things. Pride just comes, cometh just before the fall. It is tough sometimes to follow the way you know the way, but you compare, you look at the giant, you look at the situation, you look at the giant, you look at the, si you look at the giant, you look at the, and you find your own way out. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of misunderstanding a backup plan when it comes to faith. You know, sometimes <laughs> I say I misunderstood because I'm sure the sister didn't mean that, and they explained they didn't mean that. You know, but I have a perfect example who is my case study today. Peter. Peter wasn't without his antiques. 
In fact, the holy oracles record that at a po- certain point, he was walking on water, and as it started getting ghastly, he started sinking, and he cried out, Jesus, help me! Pay particular attention, because the scriptures I've picked up, everyone has a relation to the other. Remember the children of Israel crying out. Remember, now, we're here with Peter. Peter cries out. He says, Jesus, I sin. And Jesus reaches out and drags him out of, well, stops him from drowning or sinking. You know, as Christians, we need to have that. Recognize when we're sinking and cry out to Jesus. Because when the Christians cry out, Jesus will hear them. In fact, even when the storms cry out, the Bible says the beams will hear. So if the beams will hear the storm cry out, how about when the Christians cry out? Jesus will hear them. My Bible says in Psalms chapter 34, I hope I caught the right chapter, it says, for the Lord is nigh to them that be of a broken heart and saveth they that be of a contrite spirit. You see, when your heart is broken, the Lord is already there. The saving part comes when your spirit is contrite. Contrite spirit means you are a repentant sinner. You acknowledge you need the saving grace. Going with Peter. Peter, he did a few things that raised a lot of eyebrows. But the character of Peter arouses a lot of interest to me. It comes to matters of faith. His boldness is notable, but he's wholly lensing in grief. In today's language, you say, hold soup. Taking Peter to be a case study, you see how someone can be within the congregation, yet their faith failed them. Here's the word. Within the congregation, yet your faith faileth. How can you be within the congregation? I, we know the Bible says, not all that say, Lord, Lord, that we inherit the kingdom. But we explore that a bit further. Start to peel the skins of the onion. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 32, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired you to sift you like wheat. Who hath the devil not desired to sift like wheat? Nobody, all of us. And the word you used there in the Greek is a plural. It indicates Jesus is talking to the 11 for the devil already had Judas. This is the, these are the close times when Jesus is about to be crucified. And the disciples before that, they were arguing background story about who is greater. And Jesus says, he has desired to sift you like wheat. Goes on Jesus, he says, I'd like to pick up something the disciples said, calling him twice, Simon, Simon. Verily, verily. This is a thing that Jesus said when there was utmost importance in what he's about to say. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Simon, Simon, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. So he calls on Jesus. 
verse 22, but I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, not, notice here what's peculiar. Peter has been with Jesus for three and a half years. And Jesus is praying for Peter's conversion. Three and a half years walking with Jesus. Jesus says, I've prayed for you. And when, not, not, when thou art converted, Jesus knows Peter is going to get converted. Somebody say, praise Lord. You know, not if thou art converted. When thou art converted, strengthen your brethren. Jesus already knows what's soon to come. Walking with the congregation, yet your faith fail you. You know, you shouldn't be disheartened too much when you find yourself failing in faith. Not that it should be a habit. You know, you can, Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years and says, and I read this, I'm thinking, Jesus, is this the same Peter that in Matthew chapter 10 he said, I give you power to go and cast out unclean spirits and take heed. Don't take your purse, don't take your script, don't take shoes. When you get to a place, go to inquire who's wealthy and there abide. And if they apprehend you, don't worry about what you're going to say. Take no thought of what you're going to say. For the Spirit will give you utterance. You know, this is the same Peter that's not converted. You can cast out devils without being converted. Hmm. The theology, that's a story for another day. We, hopefully we pick that up another day and we can go further and find that out. And Jesus says, strengthen your brethren when you're converted. Peter, who falls, needs to strengthen his brethren. What is Jesus talking about? Is Jesus talking about the disciples? <laughs> I, I don't think it's any consolation that we find the disciples in dire need of faith. That you say, oh, if the disciples could go through this, then I can go through this too. No. If Jesus was here today, you and I would have needed to be part of that discipleship. So it's no consolation that the disciples needed that, which we need too. Our work is ours alone. Anyways, you should read, um, ad, according to, uh, you should read Seventh-day Adventist commentary, page 86, on this story. It, it, op it will open your eyes. And even this, the Desire of Ages, pages 7, 112, and 13. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. But what are things that someone can walk with the congregation and be lost, still be lost? Walking with the congregation and still be lost. Could it be forgiveness? Could it be that somebody does this heinous thing and God forbid anyone does this really bad thing. Could it be forgiveness that you say, no ways. I'm not forgiving them. Do you know what they've done? Brother preacher, but somebody does this to me, did this to me. Somebody, hey, they even did this, they even said they meant to do that. I'm not forgiving them. If I'm to forgive them, they better make sure they apologize. You know, if I look at the, the people in the world today, six billion plus, some of us have sins after all their names. We have a more than six a multitude of sins. That's what I mean. You know, we have a multitude of sins, and God's love covers the multitude of sins, and He forgives us if we're contrite. 
back to the contrite spirit. God forgives us those things. And if you've been forgiven so much, what is it that holds you from forgiving somebody? You know, it's one thing to say, I do not want to forgive, and another to say, I'm trying, but I'm failing. Lord, you know my heart. This brother is a stumbling block unto me. I am trying, but I'm failing. You know, then you can pray, then we can pray for you and say, the brother or sister is struggling, but the, the devil puts a stumbling block in his way. He, she or he is failing. But to say, no, I'm not forgiving, lost in the congregation. Or is it that football that we love so much that even on the Lord's Sabbath we might find a minute or two to watch it? <laughs> you know, the last six commandments, or last six, five, last six commandments are pretty much commandments that you can see consequences for not following them. Commit adultery. Yeah, if they catch you, you know what's going down. Still, if they catch you, you know what's, the, the, the consequences are almost clear, so the rest of the world find it easier to keep these. We even have laws for this. But the first four you take on faith. First, you have to believe that there is a God. You take on faith. And then the Sabbath of the Lord, you take it on faith. For the, the, the rewards of the Sabbath, you can't say, today I was in the church, I can see that. You can say that maybe, but you take it on faith. God said it. It has to be true. God said it. God, imagine Adam in the Garden of Eden, Eve carrying the fruit, and Eve is still as beautiful as she was. Nothing is happening. Let's spin it around. Remix it. Imagine if Eve took the fruit and she was like, Adam, eat the fruit. Adam wasn't eating the fruit. He was like, hey, 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 hey. Hold on. But she was still sublime as she was before she touched the fruit. And Adam had to take it on faith that what God said would stand. But for want of faith, we are here today. You see, religious liberties are good. But what is better is our faith in Christ Jesus. I'm an advocate for religious liberties. We need to liberate as many people, uh, people in Afghanistan, Pakistan actually. I just read a story about a preacher called Preacher Paul. Preacher Paul was preaching and the devils, let me put it another way because I put it this way, it's very contentious. Preacher Paul was preaching and the devils were not happy with him. And as he was preaching, he baptized a lot of people. The people who looked on the Hindus were not happy. What they did, they were not happy because he was baptizing people, no, but because he was baptizing a lot of people, so the newspaper says. And they gathered themselves around the church. And Brother Paul started, continued preaching. He was preaching in, in um, Pakistan. And as he was preaching, uh, I've, got, I've given you the wrong country, it was India. You should have corrected me, Hinduism is not in Pakistan. It's in India. Anyways, in Pakistan you have the problem with the Muslims. <laughs> but as he was preaching, they started gathering around, chanting things, and as they seemed like they had enough, you see, the word of righteousness comes even by one. God doesn't wait for you, for us to be 200,000 the word of righteousness to go. Just by one, he'll proclaim it. Just by one, he'll proclaim it. 
But the word of the evil one, he waits for the numbers to be in his side. You know, he waits for the numbers. The people that persecuted Paul, they first had to get the support of the people in the marketplace. The people that persecuted Peter, as we will see in chapter 4, they, they had to rally up the people. But if the, when the people were not on their side, they had to let Peter go. But God's word, whether it by many of you, it goes on. It's not based on the numbers. Anyway, going on with Brother Paul, Brother Paul is preaching. The numbers are many. They go in to lay their hands on him, take him outside. They beat him almost to death. The members of the church take him to prison. He heals in prison. He comes back, he preaches. No, hospital. What am I talking about? He heals in the hospital. He comes back and preaches. And while he's preaching, they come back and say, we told you to stop preaching. He preaches again. They take his daughter. Say, if you preach, you kill your daughter. He continues preaching. They kill his daughter. He's preaching while they kill his daughter. It's not a matter about your car insurance and your tithe. It's your daughter or your religion. You see, I am persuaded to think Brother Paul didn't just get strong because this was his first time when he met with an adversary. It's because of the little things that he had gone through with Jesus that he had the experience he could stand that day and let them kill his daughter and proclaim the word of God. Because the word of God, what does it say? Love Jesus unto death. He preached the word. When they saw he was still preaching, after they killed his daughter, they took him, beat him so much that his intestines came out. His rectum was ruptured. Took him to the hospital. I don't know what they call it when they put the, a button in your stomach to help your rectum. Came back the next week, started preaching. Brother Paul, I'm not asking any of you to let your daughter die to do anything. I'm asking you to have faith. According to the faith that you have, you will know what to do, which is right by Christ Jesus. We continue with Peter. In the, in the, in the, in the chapter um, 26, verses 31 to 35 of Matthew, when Jesus says to them, well, some of you will be offended today. And preacher, Peter says, nah, if everybody be offended, I won't be offended. And Jesus says, it goes on, I've paraphrased for, the, for want of time. Go to uh, 31 to 35. Jesus says, when the cock crows, you would have denied me three times. And Peter argued with the Lord, ah, Lord, I won't deny you. Even if it means going to prison, I go with you, even to death. This is Peter, impetuous Peter. The crow crows. Or the cock crows. And Peter's eyes meet with that of Jesus. I wonder what look Jesus gave Peter. I'm sure it wasn't like, no, 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 no. I'm sure there was love filled in his eyes. And Peter saw this look and didn't feel condemned. And he, Bible says, he wept bitterly. The transformation of Peter is beginning, or Peter's transformation is just at this beginning, and he's starting to see how feeble he is, how much he needs Christ. Before this, he didn't understand his need for his Savior. He thought he could do it by himself. He could even argue with Jesus and say, you think I'll deny you? You don't know me, Jesus. I'm tough. I'm made of some stern stuff. But when it happens, he realized, oh, I didn't, if, I didn't even, I couldn't control myself. Things just happen. 
What am I saying to us here today? The faith of Jesus, Jesus Christ, through him, is through him we can get this freedom that we talk about. We can lose religious liberties, but if you have freedom in Christ, it won't matter to us. Incidentally, back in the days, the people who really proclaimed the word of God, they proclaimed it. And because of that proclamation, they were persecuted. You know? Why are we so free to preach? Because we, we pose no threat to nobody. We don't do anything. When we start posing a threat, starting, start being a proper movement, when we start doing things, we start to upset principalities in high places. And we start getting persecuted. I'm not saying that the, the test for evangelism is a level of persecution. No. <laughs> far, from, far, far from it. Because in, in, in um, India, where I'm talking about, there's need for evangelism, but yet there's still persecution. But where we are free, trust me, when we start doing God's work properly, they will persecute us. When we jump forward in the interest of time, we join John 21, verses 15 to 18. Now, this is, this is interesting. Jesus is, is a reason, and is now talking to Peter, and he says, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? More than these. Now, remember, this is the same Peter said, even these guys deny you. I, Lord, will stick by you. He said, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter goes, oh, Lord, oh, God, I, I, um, you know that I love thee. Jesus says, feed my lambs. He says, can we have it on the screen? Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? This time he doesn't ask him, feed uh, more than these. Just ask him, lovest thou me? He says, oh Lord, thou knowest. It's Matthew, tw uh, John 21, 15 to 18. And the third time Jesus asks, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him the third time, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said, oh Lord, you know everything. The same Peter that argued with Jesus, the implication of arguing with somebody is you don't agree with them. If you don't agree with somebody, it means they're not telling maybe the truth. If you don't think they're telling maybe the truth, by implication, you do not think they know everything. Are we together? But Peter now says, oh Jesus, you know everything. And you know that I love you. You see the transformation in the church? This same Peter now is starting to see Jesus for who he really is. But it took his crucifixion. Now, I, I intimated the word you used in the Greek. I like going into the original text because sometimes you see the nuances that are hidden by this black and white. You start to see things in color. The you start to come out. You, know, you start to get excited in the word. It comes alive. Somebody, I was saying this to Brother Masiani, or was it Brother Masiani says, it would, it'd be like in 3D. I'm like, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The word of God comes out in 3D. You see more dimensions than you saw before. And as I looked at the scripture, it says, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, son of Jonas, agapo thou me. And Peter said, more than these, and Peter said, Oh Lord, thou knowest that I feel ever you. 
Now, I, I don't know, but that's going to mean something to you. Agape is like moral love, godly love. Phileo is like love by affection, friendly love. Agape thou me, O Lord, thou know, more than these. O Lord, thou knowest that I phileo you. Feed my lambs. Peter, son of Jonas, Agape thou me. Now, not more than these. He's just questioning his Agape. O Lord, thou knowest that I phileo you. Feed my sheep. Peter, son of Jonas, phileo thou me. Ah. Phileo thou me. Oh, Peter was grieved that Jesus asked him the third time. But Jesus starts in the third time, phileo, huh? You love me like a friend. And Peter was grieved with this and said, Oh, Lord, thou knowest. You know all things. You know that I phileo you. Why did Jesus have to ask these questions to Peter if he knows everything? I mean, Peter says, you know everything. Pretty much why is he asking me this? You know everything. Remember, Peter had set himself apart from the rest of his disciples. He said, I will not deny you. He tried to say he's better than them. But Jesus here, his questions, leads the rest of the disciples to see that Peter is humble. Peter is now different. You can now follow this guy. It's not the same Peter that said, I'm better than you. If you go to death, even if this guy say no, I'll follow you. That's Jesus says, a couple thou me more than these. You see, sometimes it is a pleasure to read the word of God and you see what it really says. Now, in the interest of time, I'm going to try and expedite through this, but hopefully the point will come at the end that we just shall live by faith. The religious liberties are important and I'm an advocate for them but more important is our faith. For when we do not have these religious liberties, it is through this very same faith that we'll be able to stand, without which we won't stand a chance. Incidentally, if you go uh, to verses 18 of that scripture, chapter 21. Yeah. Chapter 21 of verses 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou gettest thyself, and walkest with as thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall get thee and carry thee with as thou wouldest not. Jesus is telling Peter, you look, you're getting get crucified. People take you to places that you won't want to go. You didn't want to go when you were younger. And the record says, not the scripture, but the Bible, um, other records say, Peter was crucified upside down. That's how he died. And when he was crucified upside down, it was because he had said, he's not worthy to be crucified the right way up. He's not even worthy to die the same death as Christ Jesus. Earlier on I said, choose him between the two deaths. The death of lying or the death of not keeping the Sabbath. The death of not paying the tithe. Peter is choosing between the two deaths. But this is the death, the first death he's choosing it. He finds him unfit to die the same way as his savior. Religious liberty is important. But more important is our entrenchment on God. Now, Paul and Silas were singing praises in prison. How can you sing praises in prison? You see, these guys were liberated. Because if the Son sets you free, free you shall be indeed. They stood fast in this liberty that is in Christ. That's how they could sing praises in prison. You know, I, I, I thought about this 
Paul and Silas sing in praises in prison. And I wondered, what songs might have, might have, might have, they, have they been singing? And I, I thought of a few songs. And uh, I, 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 I'm not, a few weeks ago, last week actually, I was told by a sister that she has a daughter who used to speak like I do. But after much practice, now she sings very well. I took that very kindly, <laughs> for I knew it was true. But I imagine Paul and Silas were singing, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and my lifter of mine head. You know, I, I don't know what songs they were singing, but I know they were singing praises. And I imagine maybe they were singing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I could try that one, but mm. <laughs> I don't know what songs they were singing, but I know they were singing praises. Or maybe they were singing, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heavens and earth. You know, I don't know, I don't know what songs they were singing, but I know they were singing psalms, and they were singing praises unto God. And my question is, can you sing praises to the Lord when your mortgage is behind? Only if you have an experience with Jesus. Can you sing praises to the Lord when you've just lost your job? Only if you have an experience with Jesus. Can you sing praises to the Lord when your marriage is far removed from that love that got you there in the first place? Only if you have an experience with Jesus. Now, beloved, now is the time. Now is the time to find that experience with Jesus. For how will you stand with the gun to your face? That's not the time to start learning Jesus when somebody is ready to persecute you. Now is the time. Now is the time to get our loins, get into the word of God, learn of Christ for the most basic human need. The most basic human need is the word of God. The word of God is that that created everything without which nothing was created. And for that same reason, you need to live by it. It can't just create and not be needed to sustain. You know, only liberty that comes with Jesus will make one harrowingly cry like, like our character we looked at earlier, <laughs> whose name is Stephen, and say, Let, Lord, lay not this sin on their charge. How can you harrowingly cry like that? if you have not an experience with Jesus. Only freedom in Christ will change the focus from a giant to Jesus. Somebody say amen. If the Son sets you free, free you are indeed. You know, in closing, I won't be too long. I told you, take no thought of the clock. I'll look after it for you. In, in closing, uh, my closing remarks come not too, too long from now, but I, I want the church to focus on this particular thing here. You know, we have what you call the Garden of Eden. It was the lifeblood of the earth, but God called it his garden. It was his backyard. I need to understand that you don't need to focus on the giant, but you have to focus on Jesus. You know, this earth that he loves so much, this earth that we do all these things, going green, doing this and that, to keep is his footstool. That's where he puts his feet on. That's how big our God is. 
this heaven that we long for, this heaven that we talk of, this heaven that we want nothing else but it. It is his throne, his office. How many of us have offices here? That's how big our God is. Confronted with a giant, focus on Jesus. If God be for us, who? I thought you've, you've completed that one for me, Kevin. Who can be against us? You see, the beauty of all this is we don't have to be perfect to come unto Jesus. Jesus says, come as you are. All that it takes is that contrite heart that you spoke of earlier. You need to be of a contrite heart. You don't have to be perfect in faith, but of a contrite heart. The standard is so simple. Be repentant and the Lord will harness you. In closing, I, I'd like the church to stand. In closing, I'll ask the church to stand. I have a few questions for the church. Maybe there's somebody who's been struggling with forgiveness and they really want to forgive somebody but they find it tough to do so. I, I know forgiveness is a tough issue and if there be somebody within the congregation who's been struggling with forgiveness, say, Lord, I really want to forgive this, bro this brother or sister but the devil is laying a stumbling block on me. Could you please come forward? And as that we do, can we sing hymn 314? Or maybe if you say, I'm trying to forgive, but the devil is putting stumbling blocks, you can come forward. You know, the people that stand next to you stand only next to you now. But when the time of reckoning comes, it's you and your Savior. And now is the time to forge your life with Jesus. If we came here with something, this is where it stays. I still plead for that soul that wishes to forgive somebody. Thank you, sister. Ask Elder Kathy or Elder Sue to come and pray for the souls that have come forward. This is the last dance I will sing of this song. <laughs>